Fab Lab Podcast. Three thoughts about employee promotions. Welcome to the Fab Lab, the stone industry's only podcast dedicated exclusively to the business side of your stone shop, where we focus on improving operations inside the business so we can experience more life outside of it. So let's get down to business. Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Crowley, a little under the weather, a little behind schedule, but definitely 100% all in in the Fab Lab studio, talking about a subject that's near and dear to my heart, and I think very much in line with the theme that we've been on the last four or five episodes. We talked about uh, you know the roles that owners have as the business grows, roles that employees fill, beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about our employees, and today I want to kind of touch on a related topic, promotions. What are some of the realities that occur when operating level employees are promoted to more senior positions or maybe management positions because the reality is right now i guess there's two realities number one uh, the economy's growing it's booming and and as a business grows the owner and the managers have got to increasingly rely they have to as their responsibility increases they have to offload some of their lower level responsibilities and very often the most likely candidate is the person in a particular department that is showing great aptitude, great dependability, great skill. And and so what happens is that that transfer, that delegation occurs and an operating level employee begins to find himself with more responsibility, maybe even approaching a management position. And so when that happens, uh, there's some interesting dynamics. And so we need to just keep in mind. The other thing is, is as a business grows beyond certain levels, the practical reality is, is that an owner can only be so many places at so many at, you know, at one time. You can't be everywhere at once, and so there is this necessity that as the business grows, you have to consciously and purposefully delegate responsibility. And so as that happens, as that occurs, whether your business is just growing because you're just awesome or your business is growing because the economy is booming and there's just more work out there, chances are you're going to run against this at some point, the need to delegate some of your authority, some of your responsibility to somebody in a department. So how do you go about doing that? Well, I just want to share a couple of thoughts today. I guess it's three thoughts. But before we do, I want to mention a word from our sponsor. Now, this is interesting. No lift install system. Now, when I was 19, I was working for a stone shop, the only stone shop I ever worked for before starting my own company, but I was an installer, apprentice, helper, whatever you want to call it. We were loading up for a home show one day, pulling all the countertops out of the showroom, loading up the trailer to take it up and install. And the lead installer leaned down, knelt down, grabbed this gigantic 3CM peninsula. It was rainbow. That was the color of granite. This is like, oh, probably 1995, maybe 1994. Super popular granite with another guy. They pick it up. He sets it up on the the wheel well of the flatbed trailer. And he has this look on his face. This like intense, like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And he turned without saying anything. He walked off around the back of the trailer with this kind of stiff hobble. Come to find out that was the lift that ended his install career. So we're going to talk about this, I guess, in two ways. Because as it relates to this episode, uh, the next morning I found myself lead installer because he had suffered a career-ending injury. That's why the no-lift install system is is so important and why I am so glad that the no-lift install system is a sponsor of this show. It wasn't very long. Just a few years later, I was beginning to experience pretty severe back problems. I was a scrawny little 135-pound guy. Doctor told me your body is simply not made to lift this kind of weight. The body's not designed for it. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you have installers, they may not be as scrawny as I was at age 19, 1994, but 
Their bodies weren't made to lift two, three, four, five, six hundred pound countertops up off of a sheetrock carton onto cabinets, reaching, twisting, straining, stretching day in and day out without any recovery. The way to solve that problem, the way to reduce the potential for a career ending injury is with the no lift install system. I'm sure you've heard about it. I know you've heard me talking about it. If you haven't been to their website, check out noliftsystem.com. If you haven't been to their YouTube channel, oh my gosh, 70, 80 videos showing just about every conceivable type of countertop being installed without having to lift it, reach, strain, stretch, maneuver those heavy 3CM pieces. And so if you've got human beings that are installing your countertops, you need to get them a no-lift install system. You can save their career and you can save your company money. So now back to this topic about being promoted. I just mentioned in you know this conversation about no-lift, all of a sudden being promoted. One day I'm a helper. I walk in the next day. I get pulled into the owner's office with the, uh, the general manager. And they said, well... Um, the gentleman's, you know, they mentioned his name and said he's, he can't install, he's destroyed his back. And so guess what? Starting today, you're a lead installer. And I was promoted. Nobody asked me, nobody ever, um, inquired, nobody ever evaluated me to determine whether or not I was going to be a competent lead. I just became, you know, the lead installer by, uh, uh, by process of elimination, if you will. And I think that is really common, not necessarily for injury's sake, but for the sake that I mentioned, you know, in the beginning of the episode, talking about just growth as the business expands, the need for offloading responsibility becomes increasingly, you know, common and necessary. And so I want to just share a couple of thoughts about this, some realities as it relates to promoting operating level employees into supervisory or management level positions. Now, it's interesting in our company, as I assess our current org chart, I assess our management team, I can see that in in two very significant areas, our install department manager started off as an install helper. Then he became a lead, and then out of necessity, he became our install department manager. He's got two crews, I think five or six employees working for him. Production manager, same thing. He started out as a finisher, then we promoted him to lead finisher, and then through a series of circumstances, this actually was process of elimination, he became our production manager. Now, interestingly, over time, both of these men have developed into tremendous leaders and managers, but it was not an easy transition. And I, looking back, I think we could have handled that a lot better had we had some of these experiences already and, and been able to think through it a little bit better. So I'm just going to mention three thoughts. Three things to think about before you promote an operating level employee into a supervisory or management position. Because very oftentimes the people that we're promoting, the reason that we would consider promoting them is because they're doing a great job in the role that they're in. And so they seem qualified. Gosh, if this guy's a great polisher, he'd probably make a great polishing supervisor. I mean, that's kind of how we, we might tend to think by default not necessarily a conscious thought, but it's, you know, it's understandable that that might be the conclusion that we draw. So we're typically pulling from our best operating level employees, finishers, installers, fabricators, machine operators, you name it, salespeople. And I've heard from highly competent sales managers that very oftentimes salespeople make terrible sales managers. It's just interesting. And so here are the three thoughts. Number one, oftentimes an employee who is doing well in an operating level position may get to the point where their only opportunity to grow in terms of their career and grow in terms of their compensation 
is to take a supervisor position. It isn't necessarily because they want it. It isn't because they necessarily have been seeking it. It isn't because they necessarily understand or know that they would be qualified to you know, to perform in that role. It's because they reach a threshold, a glass ceiling, where that particular position offers them no more opportunity to grow from a compensation standpoint. And honestly, the, the business owner is oftentimes going to make that same conclusion. I got this great guy. He's been slaving away in this position. I'd like to pay him more. Well, I can't pay him any more than I'm already paying him. I got to promote him to increase his pay. So an increase in pay is not necessarily a great motivation. It's not a great rationale for putting somebody into that position. We keep talking about roles responsibilities. You want to get the right people on the bus, number one, and then you want to get those people into the right seats on the bus. Well, just because it's convenient to move that guy out of a operating level position into a managerial position to increase his pay or to fill the need that the owner has for that responsibility to be offloaded is, is, is not necessarily a good rationale. A super qualified operating level employee may not have the skills. And what's more, as it relates to this compensation, they may take on a position that they're not comfortable with simply because it's the only way to grow their compensation. So number one, we got to be careful. We don't want to dangle a carrot in front of somebody that they may feel like they have no choice but to accept or to assume. We want people who want to do the work. We want to have people in those roles who who are qualified to do the work and are likely to succeed. Second thought, when you take somebody like a finisher who's got maybe two, three, four other finishers, you know, working side by side, and then you promote that individual to lead finisher, the relationship and the dynamic between the, 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 the fellow fabricators or fellow finishers that he used to associate with it with now changes dramatically. And I think most of us owners may not be able to fully appreciate that sense of awkwardness when I've been an owner, you know, that that distinction between owner and employee um, exists. And and not to say that we're not friends, not to say that we don't see each other as peers because we've all got jobs doing, we get it done. But it is very different when you are a a peer and equal and then you are promoted above those folks and now are expected to, in a sense, oversee the work that they're doing, measure the work that they're doing follow up, call them on the carpet when necessary because of that previous relationship that exists. It is a tremendous expectation to then put somebody in that role that now you're no longer their peer, you're their supervisor. And if there hasn't been sufficient training and communication, if there aren't sufficient standards already in place so that in that role you have some sort of objective baseline to return to or to refer to when there's a question, hey, I think I need you to do this a little bit better. What are you talking about? We used, this is what we've always done. That is an incredibly awkward and an unpleasant position to be put in. Uh, we used to have a GM here that was uh, in the military, uh, had, a, had a very successful military career. And he said, talking about this, I, uh, that in his experience in the military, they would not do that. If you were promoted, you left your unit and were then put in charge of a different group of people because that dynamic is so difficult and challenging to overcome for the manager in particular. You almost set people up to fail because of those dynamics. That's the second principle. Just understanding how those relationships are going to change once that authority is granted, once that responsibility is given, and once that position is cemented and 
and they move up and their peers stay where they were. And now they've got a new boss that used to be their buddy that they used to smoke cigarettes and have lunch with, you know, yesterday. So that's the second principle. Number three, we need to understand this fact. When you've got operating level employees making a transition to a supervisory or management position, here's a dynamic that likely is going to exist. People in those operating level roles are probably well-suited. If they've risen to the point to where you're willing to entrust them with that responsibility, they're probably doing a really good job because they're suited for that type of work. Not necessarily, but, but, but bear with me. So they're going to be at a high level of competence in that operating level role. Finishing, polishing, machine operating, whatever that may be, installing. High degree of competency, you know, skill, and experience. So when you promote them potentially out of that operating level role where there's high levels of productivity and success and put them into a brand new role that they are possibly not well suited for, it's this double whammy effect. You lose capacity and productivity on one hand, and then you lose again by having somebody who's not necessarily, potentially, well-suited to operate in that manager's role. So you, it, it cuts both ways and can be a, you know, you, you can end up suffering significantly in terms of output, in terms of productivity at the operating level. Meanwhile, putting somebody in a position where they're not going to thrive and the management may suffer. They may not be a good fit. The skills that made them a great operating level employee may not translate. There may not be a direct correlation where they are universally applicable, having to communicate with employees, having to communicate with customers, having to organize information, having to communicate information, having to confront situations where there's going to be conflict either between them and reporting employee and maybe between other employees. Completely different skill set. Now, that employee may possess that. It's possible. And... You may figure out how to work it out. Great. But these are just three thoughts to think about before you promote a highly skilled, highly productive operating level employee into a supervisory or a management level position. These are things that you need to think about. Number one, the motivation. Why are they taking it? Is it because they're well suited for it or because that's their only opportunity to grow their career and their income? Number two, Remember how awkward it is going to be when you put them into that role, when you promote them among, you know, above their peers. There's going to be some challenges there, and those are going to have to be worked out. There's going to have to be a lot of care, a lot of attention paid to how that transition occurs. And number three, you might lose a good producer and gain a mediocre manager, a double whammy for sure. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want a resource on this, a famous book, it was written in the 60s called The Peter Principle. Uh, really speaks to this, at least around the margins, talking about how people are oftentimes promoted beyond their level of competency. And then the person that promotes them is frustrated and can't understand why that formerly super productive employee is now not nearly as productive or effective in their work. If you want to learn more about that, Dr. Peter's book, The Peter Principle, is a fantastic resource. I encourage you to check it out. I also encourage you to check out AaronCrowley.com. Another resource for you, fellow fabricator, if you would like to learn how to delegate more effectively, head to AaronCrowley.com. You can download the first three chapters of my book, Less Chaos, More Cash, for free. You can also take the Stone Shop Business Assessment. 
It's a tool that we developed to help stone shop owners get a really clear understanding of the four key areas of success in their business. So I'd encourage you to check that out as well. And if you'd like to explore coaching, if you would like to explore this topic or any other topic for that matter, I encourage you to just reach out. Go to my website. You can connect with me right there on the homepage. You hit the learn more button, connect. You can send me a direct email. I would love to hear from you. And if you'd like to set up a coaching call, I do complimentary coaching calls for the right potential clients. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you will tune in next week for the next episode. And until then, happy fabricating. <laughs>